Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. It's good to see you this morning, and it's good to worship with you. And uh, I would imagine that you, like me, are, are a little bit excited for Christmas morning. Many of you are, are parents in here, and you're going to give gifts to your kids or someone special in your life. You're going to give uh, you're going to give something of incredible importance to, to someone in your life. It'll be those gifts you buy that, you know, uh, I get to do the stockings in our house, and I do it at um, 1130 on, thanks, on, uh, on Christmas Eve. That's when I do it. So after all the services are done here, I go home, sit around for a little while, eat whatever amazing meal my wife put together, and then she'll say, did you get everything for the stockings? No, no. And I just love the fact that Walgreens is open, so I go. And I walk up and down the Walgreens aisle, and I pull this, and I pull that, and I'm like, eh, that'd be fun, that'd be fun. And, and my job is to buy a, a toy for, for my boys, because they're, you know, never too old for a toy. We should always have a toy around the house. So I go down the toy aisle, and I find, oh, this one's perfect, right? I don't know. Those are the gifts you just sort of grab, and you just sort of, you know, wrap up. And you're like, ah, oh, they'll enjoy it. I had some thought in mind. But then those, there's, there's those gifts, the ones that you spend a lot of time on, you spend a lot of thought on, and you can't wait. You're literally sitting there while they have the gift in their hand. You're going, come on, open it, open it, open it. Come on, come on, you got to open it. You got to open it. I can't wait to see your face. Woo! You are just, you, you are like, you, your heart's racing because you know, because this is the perfect gift. You have thought all about it. You have spent time and resources. You've sacrificed something for it. Probably, you know, some, something financial as well. And you put it all together and you know that this is going to be one of those game-changing game gifts, right? Or maybe a once-in-a-lifetime gift. A life-changing gift, maybe. Well, I, I said, am I the only one that thinks this way? I, I didn't think I was. So I went on, I went, you know, Google. That's what you do. If you want to know if you're the only one doing something, you Google. And so I Googled. I said, is there a list out there of like, once in a lifetime gifts. And oh my goodness, there was a list. And the list went on and on and on. And I went down the crazy rabbit hole that I shouldn't have gone down. But I came up with four. Ready? Four. I won't bore you with the, the millions, just four. Okay, you ready? I always wanted an easy bake oven, but Santa never delivered one. When I was 34, my sister bought it for me for Christmas. And yes, I made a cake. My 18-year-old son gave me a card that said, Mom, I love you. Don't worry. Throughout the years, I have heard everything you've said about life lessons, just in case you thought I wasn't listening. Uh, come on, moms. That's a good gift, right? That's worth it. Okay. How about this one? I'm a special ed teacher, and one year, a boy in my fifth grade class lost his mother in a car accident. It turned out I had him again the next year in sixth grade. It was Christmas time, and he saw all the other students bringing me gifts. So he came in a, a day later with a two-liter bottle of ginger ale. He said he looked around his house and wanted to get me something special, and he knew that I liked soda. I never forgot the gift that he gave me. It was truly from his heart. And then there's this one. It was Christmas Eve in 1945. I was nine years old, 
And that year, without a job to go to or a dollar in her pocket, my mother took me and my brothers and sisters and every stick of furniture we owned and moved far away from my abusive father in order to save our lives. It was a dark time for me as a child. Even then, but even then, I was thankful for her sacrifice. But tonight, it was the night before Christmas. And I waited patiently to open up a gift. And when she handed me the tiny box, I could taste my disappointment. Children don't want tiny presents. Children want big presents, a pair of skates, a a bright red bike. So I opened it slowly, my eyes averted, and my fingers were timid. And suddenly, there it was, a shining, delicate gold chain of which hung a little flower with copper leaves and a bright blue stone in the center. It was my first piece of jewelry and the declaration of adulthood. I knew my mother must have been skimming grocery money for weeks or even months to get me something so beautiful. I threw my arms around her neck and burst into tears. I'm now well along in years, and I again found that necklace in a box of old memories. The chain was dull brown. The flower leaves had faded. But the blue glass that I had been sure was my birthstone still glowed. When I picked up this treasure and held it in my hand, I re- did I, the, the gift that I had received amidst the chaos of a collapsing world, I knew I was holding sacrifice, beauty, and an invitation to be strong in the days to come. I consider it the gift of my life, even now. There's just those gifts that the person in our life knew we absolutely needed them. They knew it would be perfect, and they went through great lengths to give them to us. This morning, we wanted to title our message, Unwrapping Christmas. And we want to introduce you or remind you, or bring to the forefront the gift of Christmas, the most amazing gift that was ever given, the one that was no accident and no surprise. It was well thought out and came at the perfect time. See, as we unwrap Christmas, we come to discover that the greatest gift that was ever given, that game-changing gift, right, that gift of a lifetime, was Jesus. And by far, it was the greatest gift ever given. And now, just as those words come out of my mouth, you might be tempted to go, well, yeah, it's Christmas. It's the greatest gift. Jesus, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't let it become common. Don't let it become normal. Don't let it become average. Don't let it just be a gift that was bought at Walgreens at the last minute to shove in a stocking. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. This is Jesus. Let's look at the moment that this gift was given. When all history and all eternity changed, that's the gift of Jesus. And we pick it up in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And once again, all the passages we're going to read today, many of them, will be very memorable to you, will be very obvious to you. Let it be fresh. Let it be new. Let it remind you of the intense, outrageous, most improbable gift that could have ever been given that truly changed everything. So starting in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, 
and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Don't miss it. Sometimes we can read past it. Great news. It is the greatest gift. There's never been a greater gift. And it wasn't just for the shepherds. It was for all people. All people was people past, people present, and people future. All people is what this gift was given to. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. That means king of all kings. In the, in the actual Hebrew, Hebrew word, it would mean king of all kings, the greatest king, the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with an angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Don't go back to peanuts and, and Linus and don't do it. This was all of heaven opening up. I give a gift. Sometimes I can manage to put a little card on there and say, hey, here you go. The angels accompanied this gift. All of heaven opened up. This was the greatest gift to be given at all time, ever past, present, or future, and all heaven opened up, and the glory of, of the angels began to sing. Glory to God in the highest. For what reason? Because Jesus Christ was born. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. What an amazing gift, the greatest gift ever given, caused these shepherds to return from seeing Jesus giving glory and worship to God. That's the type of movement that should take place in our hearts when we contemplate and hear and understand who Jesus is. You see, yes, Jesus was born as a, as a baby in, in a manger that you're going to hear more about. And he was swaddled up, swaddled up tight by his young mother and, and placed there. But it was only the beginning. It was only the beginning, not the end. And so many times we view Christmas as, as that is the beginning and the end. It's the story of the little baby. No, it is not the story of the little baby. It is the story of the humility of the cross that makes Christmas so significant. It's the story that Jesus was truly God in the flesh that came to earth. The creator came to his creation. God came and entered our reality. The creator entered his creation to speak into our problems, to show compassion, to demonstrate the best way to live for him and to love others. He came to help us understand what it means to have purpose that lasts forever. He came so that we would understand that we were created for much more than just the rewards here on earth. But above all, Jesus, God became man and entered in to our world. All right. I tried really, really hard to come up with a way to demonstrate this. And I just, I just, I couldn't, I was searching and I was searching. What does it mean? How, how significant and magnificent is this? 
that God, who created everything, would come to earth to be with his creation, that would be with us. And so I thought about that crazy show that was on a, a few years back. It was called uh, uh, Undercover Boss. Remember that show? Well, we would watch that show, and when it first came out, it was one of the highest rated shows ever. And people would watch, and they're like, what? The CEO would suddenly go and work for, for two or three weeks or two, one or two weeks with the, with the lowliest of jobs that serve his company. And he would, he would just do that. And everybody's going, I can't believe that CEO would do that. That's crazy. That's amazing. And he would come up with all these revelations about what was going on in people's lives and how it was either easy to work for his company or difficult to work for his company or whatever it would be. And he would come up with all this. And we were mesmerized by it. And stories were told online about, I can't believe this and how cool is that. I was just a dude. I was a dude who put on his pants like you and I. That was a dude that had no more authority in the kingdom realm or the, the heavenly realm or the earthly realm than you or I have. And in fact, it was a dude that answered to a board that could be fired tomorrow just like he got up today. Or she. <laughs> but we thought it was so cool that he would do that or she would do that. Now, God, the creator of all, the king of all kings, the mighty prince of peace, the one who's all-powerful and all-knowing, who had no beginning and has no end, who gave us the breath of our life, who counted our days, wrote them in a book of life. Not one will come to pass that he hasn't ordained. He stepped out of heaven and came and walked on earth to be with us. The greatest gift ever given. But sometimes we think of Christmas as a surprise, like it just snuck up on everybody, like the shepherds were just hanging out and just snuck up on them and snuck up on all of heaven. And God was just kind of saying one day, let's do this. He was in pursuit from day one. See, he was in pursuit because after his creation, after he made his creation and created Adam and Eve, they, they sinned against him. They said, I want to do it my way, not your way. <laughs> and from that moment on, we became people who often said, I want to do it my way, not your way. From that moment on, every person that was ever born, said, I want to do it my way, not your way. I want, to, I want to be the Lord of my life, not you. And that separated us from God. And so the rest of the pages of Scripture are, are our God, the creator of all, being in pursuit of his people, constantly calling them back and, and constantly bringing them back to his heart and constantly bringing them back to himself and forgiving them and, and they would go sin and then there would be another forgiveness and there would be sin. There would have to be a, a sacrifice for their sin. If you see, for it says in scripture, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of life is in Jesus Christ. You, you see, there was a separation that only God himself could take care of. There was a separation that only God himself could come and pay such a an outrageous price. And you say, well, why is death the penalty for sin for doing it our own way? Because God is life. And when we say no to life, we say yes to death. When we, when we turn our back on life and what God has for our lives, then we choose to live without him and that separates us. And now the consequences of that is death. Death of a relationship with God, which causes a great rift between us, as well as a physical death. And so he came and said, I will pay that price personally. I will take care of that penalty. I will demonstrate 
how to live righteously. I will demonstrate how to live the way I created you to live. I will teach you how to love others the way I created you to love others. I will teach you to give your life away the way I give my life away. I will teach you all of that. And if you choose my gift, if you choose to receive my gift, you too will receive eternal life. You'll receive a relationship with me that can never be broken because I'm the one that bonds it together. I'm the one. That's what Jesus says. I'm the one. And look, if you think that I'm not going to hold it together, why would I humble myself and come as a baby? Why would I do all of this if I wasn't serious about holding that relationship tight and together, never leaving you and never forsaking you? I'm going to keep my promise for all eternity. So as we unwrap Christmas, will you receive the greatest gift ever given? The gift of God himself who stepped into humanity and then gave his life on our behalf so that we could always have a relationship with him. He planned it all along. He's been in pursuit of you for your whole life. And if you already know him, he's still in pursuit of you. If you don't know him today, he's in pursuit of you. And you say, well, if I already know him, if I already know about him, how's he still in pursuit of me? He wants the whole of your life. He wants to be the Lord and the God and the, the Lord on high of your life. And he wants to do nothing short of the miraculous in your life. He's still in pursuit of you today. Just like all the pages of scripture say he's in pursuit of us. Amen. Amen. Well, just as you heard, Pastor Tim said that Jesus came as that gift that was given by a God who is in pursuit of us. And if it were just that alone, it would be enough for any of us. But the truth is, is that it's much more than he's in pursuit of us. It's that he identifies with us. In Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, it says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married with him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. This is the description of what it was like surrounding the moments of the birth of the king of all kings. He was born in a manger, in a stable, a place where livestock would be, where they would feed and rest. He was not born into some lush hotel, some nice, you know, birthing inn, but it was a stable out behind a house. And what's amazing to me when we think about these conditions, they speak an enormous truth to us about the character and the heart of our God as he would leave heaven and enter into our world. In fact, in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. And then in verse 14, he goes on to complete that, that thinking by saying that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Paul continues that thought in the book of Colossians in chapter 1 where he says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and visible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. 
He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. If this is true, that Jesus was the pre-existing God, he stood outside of creation, and he decided to enter in and come into our world, then it is amazing to me when we think about the conditions that he permitted himself, the king of all kings, the one who spoke into creation. The psalmist tells us that he spoke the stars into existence. They came out of his mouth. That king entered into our world in the most humble of conditions. And when we look at these conditions, I believe that they speak three important things to us this morning that I don't want you to leave here without thinking about. Three important things that the stable speak to us. The first thing that the stable speaks to us is that it speaks peace to us. Imagine the chaos surrounding the birth of Jesus. Mary had just traveled a long distance while in the last days of her pregnancy. She was ready to pop at any moment. And poor Joseph is unable to secure a place for them to sleep, much less to have a baby. The village would have been noisy and bustling with people from near and far all who were forced to be somewhere they really didn't want to be because of some Roman emperor who wanted to find out how many subjects he had in this forgotten land in the Middle East. The stable speaks peace to us in the midst of all of the chaos of our life because Jesus was born right in the middle of chaos himself. And that was the plan all along. In fact, Isaiah would label Jesus the Prince of Peace. Whatever place in life you find yourself this morning, Jesus can bring the peace of his presence to you, whether you have a broken marriage, whether you have health issues, whether your career has been sidelined. Maybe it's a prodigal child or an unsaved spouse or the biting loneliness of waiting for God to bring you your own spouse. God is the peace that will steady you for this season of your life and for any season that you may face. Surely, the stable speaks peace to us this morning. Secondly, it speaks comfort, and I love this. Imagine the lack of creature comforts that were present with Jesus in the stable just after his birth. His first bed was simply a feeding trough. There were no midwives, there were no doctors, there wasn't even a covering to protect him from the elements. It was just a simple cave that had been carved out of a stone. When we think about how we treat newborns today, we are concerned with everything revolving around that baby's comfort. We think, is its head supported? Is it hungry? Does it need a diaper change? We literally only think about its comfort. We always concern ourselves with, did we get the safest crib? Do we have the best rated car seat? Do we have the softest blankets? Is it the right binky? Jesus was never given any of those things. Don't get me wrong, Mary and Joseph certainly would have wanted those things for him if they would have been able to give them to him. But a lavish welcome and even creature comforts that we would enjoy today were left out of the plan when God became man and entered into our world. It just might be that his entrance was so full of discomfort that it was the beginning of him to be able to understand 
what true comfort really is. Jesus would identify with our pain, our hurt, our brokenness. He would be able to stand with us in these times because he was intimately familiar with all of them. He became known intimately with rejection and sorrows. But not just know them, Jesus experienced them firsthand. And that is exactly why he can be the God of all comfort to all who will call on him. Jesus did not just reach down into humanity, he stepped down into humanity to become one with it. All of the brokenness and all of the failure that surrounds it, he immersed himself in it. Lastly, this stable speaks joy to us. The stable represents joy because it touches the lowest of the low first. As we just heard from Pastor Tim, in Luke chapter 2, God tells us that he revealed to the shepherds first by the way of an angel that they would be able to receive the good news that a Savior had been born, the good news that brings great joy. It's interesting when you think about shepherds, they were the lowest on the socioeconomic scale in Israel at that time. They were often placed into the fields because they were unqualified to do much more than move some livestock from one field to another. They also were out in the fields for days, even weeks at a time, without good hygiene. It could be said that they were smelly, uneducated, and basically dismissed by the general population of that day. The joy is that these lowly shepherds were given the privilege of not only hearing about the birth first, but being able to search him out and worship him and be the first to proclaim, proclaim that a savior had been born, that God had kept his promises, amen? The joy of the manger means that no one is left out. No one is too far off. No one is too lowly or ashamed. Can you see how Jesus becomes the peace in the midst of life's chaos? He is the source of true comfort in the midst of life's pain and heartache and disappointment. Jesus gives joy that passes and transcends all of life's circumstances. All are included. All are welcomed. And to those who are willing to receive the free gift, all are received. Will you receive the greatest gift from God who not only identifies with us, but is in pursuit of us? Because that's the offer to all of us this morning. Amen? You see, this God didn't just come near. Jesus didn't just come to the world and kind of sit back and watch. He showed up and interacted with us. You see, he came to show us a hope that he would bring. And while the, uh, the stable is absolutely a symbol of that, the manger is even more so, I would say. The manger is a symbol of the hope that Jesus was coming to give. You see, the manger was gross. Like, it was stinky, it was dirty, it was fit for animals. Uh, they went to it to eat and drink. And they laid a baby in it. I have a 16-day-old at home, and if I were to dare to put little baby Hayes in a manger, my wife would not just give me the side eye, 
I would get in so much trouble. Like, I don't even, I can't even comprehend what would happen. And yet here is the king of the universe, the God of all creation. And he's laid in a manger, a place fit only for the animals. And it would turn into the throne of the king. You see, this object didn't magically transform. It was given a new purpose by God himself. And this is what God does. He takes things that are regarded as trash and turns them into treasure. Listen to how Paul, the apostle, describes Jesus. He says this in Philippians, who, talking about Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being found in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. You see, this was not how the Jewish people expected Jesus to come. They expected that he would come as a conquering king, and he came as a helpless babe. And he came and lived a life that only he could live. He lived perfectly for you and I. And he served each and every one of us. And what happens is God takes this unexpected life and he does something amazing. It says, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Christ is Lord. That's what God did. You see, Jesus came as a servant but would be declared as king. He was laid in a manger but would be there to be worshipped. He came and showed us that he can take what we regard as trash and turn it into treasure. And here's the deal. Here in Loudon, I would say oftentimes we don't consider our own stuff, the things in our life, as junk. We don't consider what we have going on uh, to be junk. But when we think about it, maybe we will. You see, we heap up accomplishments and we hope that it will keep others and our own doubts at bay about who we are. If I can be successful enough, uh, that might prove I'm worthy. If I can give just the right gift, uh, man, my wife will love me a little bit better. If I can give just the right gift, my kids uh, will think I'm the best dad. You see, but the perfect gift this year is only as good as next year's gift. It starts all back over again. Your work accomplishments, the job you've been running hard after, the raise you've been wanting, your grades, Any records you might set, they will all fail to last. Someone will come along who is faster, stronger, smarter, more ambitious, more motivated, more cutthroat, is willing to give everything in order to beat your record or do better than you. And everything you thought would last will eventually crumble. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, that's not my story. I've got none of those things. My life, when I look around at it, is full of junk. I look around and I survey wreckage. I do have a broken family. I've I've experienced failed marriages. My career is absolutely in the trash can. I've got children who who want nothing to do with me. Everything feels empty, hopeless, like it's garbage, and it's thrown into sharper relief in the midst of this holiday season. You see, in both cases, whatever you've collected in your life, it'll all fail at some point. It will all go away. And this is just the reality of life. 
And that's what makes Jesus' life so important. In Jesus, God would come even closer than he already was. You see, throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, God was working. But in the New Testament, when Jesus comes, he exper- we experience him in a brand new way. You see, Turner said that he understands our pain. He identifies with us in the midst of chaos. And he's saying, I came to turn your trash into treasure. You see, the apostle Paul also wrote this in Philippians. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. You see, Paul had heaped up accomplishment after accomplishment. He would have appeared to be the most righteous person walking this earth. He he describes himself as the Jew of all Jews. He had the right upbringing. He took his religious duty seriously. He had the right parents. There was no one who could doubt that he was a good man. But when he meets Christ, When he meets Christ, he realizes it's all worthless in comparison to knowing Christ himself. You see, even when he loses everything, when he should be at his lowest, when everything he had been running after had proved to be worthless and he should have been devastated, when he finally realizes he was playing Monopoly and the entire time he was actually playing life, he was playing the wrong game, God did something different. You see, and all of us can identify with that. We all play Monopoly when we should be playing life. Monopoly goes and goes and goes, and there seems to be no end. There seems to be, you just walk around this board hoping to get enough money, hoping to heap up enough property, hoping to do, hoping to get more and more. And the entire time you've actually been playing life and there's an end goal in mind. You move steadily through this life. It's not just about heaping up things. You see, we naturally pursue the things we think matter, but God has a different standard. He's playing a different game. And we might get lucky in this life and have a couple of good turns, but until we realize that we are playing a different game, that God is most important, we will never truly pursue what matters. But there's really good news. Jesus never played the wrong game. Jesus never once didn't know what he was pursuing Jesus never once was running after the wrong thing. And he says, I've got you taken care of. You don't like your hand? Come take mine. My place is yours. I've already done everything that you need. And what we couldn't do on our own, Jesus has already done in our place. You see, Paul learned that Jesus makes life supremely valuable by becoming the greatest treasure of our life. Everything is filtered through him, and he's inviting us into a new purpose, just as he invited Paul. And he's saying he can make something out of our life. Whether it's already good or it feels like it's garbage, he's here to give new purpose in our life and to give a lasting hope for the future. You see, he is the one who can give peace so we can stop all the activity to prove to ourselves that we're good enough. He's the one who can give us comfort in knowing that he is good enough. 
He's the one who will give us joy that we can experience through him that will never fade away. He's the one who can take all the pieces of your life and make it more than you could ever imagine. He might not remove you from the tough situation, but he will give you a new purpose and fresh perspective this Christmas season. So the question is this, will you receive this treasure? Will you receive the greatest gift from the God who identifies with us, pursues us, and gives us new purpose in him? This morning, we're going to continue in worship, and we're going to sing a song. And as you sit, I would invite you to either reflect or maybe join with us as we sing. But whatever you do, would you magnify the Lord this morning? Has he not done great things? Has not offered us the greatest gift of all? The gift of life. I want to end with this passage. And it's probably not one that you've heard around Christmas time before. But it caught my attention this week and I couldn't, I couldn't get rid of it. I'm glad. But I, I just, I, I, let me share. From Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15. Because God's children are human beings, made of flesh and blood. The Son also, right, meaning God himself, also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who has the power of death. And only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Let me read that last part again. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Can you imagine a better gift? God steps into our realm, creation, becomes flesh and blood because we needed him to. And then he died on a cross for our sins, for our way of living, for the times that we've turned our back on God because he never did. He was never disobedient, never failed in any way, lived perfectly, loved perfectly, and became death in our place for those that were past those that were present and all of those who were future and so this Christmas you're offered the gift of life will you receive it will you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior Will you receive him and the gift that he's offering? The God that says, I have walked your walk. I have walked your path. I understand you. I want to be your God of peace. And I want to be your God of comfort. And I want to be your God of joy. And I want to take the trash of this life. And I want to take all of our accomplishments that you try to make yourself good enough. And you can't. I want to take all of that. And I want for you to have And all you have to do is receive the gift. Remember when we started, we talked about sitting in that chair, waiting for somebody to open that really special gift. 
Because as long as it remains wrapped and in the box, it never does what it was intended to do. It never brings that joy, that comfort, that peace. It never brings that satisfaction to a soul. It's being offered. Will you open it up? Will you tell him yes? Will you say, I've always wanted to know you as my Lord? Will you say, my heart is aching and you can heal it? I never knew there could be purpose and yet you give it. (laughs) I want to be one of your sons and daughters. I don't want to be on the outside anymore. And if you've already said yes to Jesus at some time in your life, maybe this Christmas, you'll just open it up afresh. Maybe you'll just be reminded of the treasure that is found in the gift of Jesus coming as a baby, living as a man, and dying for each one of us. And the promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us, for his spirit always dwells within all those who receive his gift. And because you've already received it and that spirit's already with you, then you go live. You go live fully abandoned for him. You live as his son and daughter with all of the amazing spiritual blessings of the heavenly realm at your disposal. And you live as the son and daughter of the great king on high. Merry Christmas, church. For you have been given the greatest gift ever. All you have to do is tell them you want it. And so this morning I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Pray and just say, Lord, I want you. Let's do that together. Lord, I thank you for everyone who's here. Thank you for their lives. Thank you for who they are, the circumstances that brought them here. For as Doug reminded us, your name is above all other names. Your name is worthy to be worshipped because you did not stay far away. God, you came near to us and you took care of our penalty and you gave us life in return. And so, Lord, we say to you, we want that. We want that right now. We want you in our lives. We want to turn our back on the life we were living fully for ourselves. We want to turn our back on the life we were living where we wanted to be the Lord of our lives. And we say to you, Jesus, we want your gift of life. We know there's a penalty of death upon us and we don't want that. We want life with you. And you took care of that. We want to live in your peace and we want to live with your comfort and we want to live with joy and not the sorrow that we so often live with or the disappointment or the the chaos that we live in without hope. We want you. We want you to take the things that we do in this world. We want you to turn them into something eternal. But they won't be lost here. We want you. And so for all those who want Jesus for the first time, you just pray something like that. You just tell him, I want you. And he comes into your heart and he makes his home right there. And for all those who prayed that prayer at some time in their life, you say to him, again, Lord, fresh and new this Christmas, I say to you, yes. I receive your gift of salvation and relationship and I'm going to live as your son and daughter knowing that you will never leave me or forsake me. You are my Lord and my God and I declare it and receive it all again afresh anew today. We love you, Lord. Thank you that you have made a way for us to talk to you just like that and to receive that amazing gift. 
Thank you that your name is above every other name. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning, would you do me a favor? If you prayed that for the very first time, if you said, if you said, I want Jesus. I want to receive that gift. Would you take that Connect card that you filled out, that you kept with you, and just put a star on top? And if you're like, oh, man, I already turned it in. That's okay. There's like three or four in that pocket. Just fill it out again. Let us know you did that. Just put a star on top. We want to talk to you. We want to, we want to, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We want to welcome you as a brother and sister in Christ. And we want to invite you to the Discover class to learn more about that decision you just made. We want to help you get into one of those habits classes to help you learn how to grow right away. How to use that great gift of salvation you've been given. Did you make that? Just put a star up there. If you said, hey, I've been walking my own way even though I've known Jesus. I reopened that gift one time and I've pretty much been ignoring that gift. Maybe today you said no, new and afresh. My Lord and my God, I surrender my life to you. Well, would you just put a, a square on your connect card? Just a square. And we want to know that that was a decision you made. So we can call and talk to you about that and help you out with that. Okay? One of those two. Made that decision for the very first time. You put a star. So no, I haven't been living right and well. And it's as if God never even gave me that gift. I'm reopening it for the, just like it was the first time. And just put a square on there and we want to contact you. We're going to close with a song. And you're welcome to stay and worship with that song. And you're welcome to go. We're going to be up here praying and we'd love to pray with you. But here's what we want you to know. Merry Christmas. The Son has come near. He's given His life. And we now have life because of it. Take the gift. Take it. Take it. And go and give it to somebody else. This is the one gift that you're always supposed to re-gift. You're always supposed to re-gift it. So go out of here and at your, with your families and your friends and sitting around trees and opening up, you know, gifts that are just boxes. And go, hey, I got the greatest gift. Can I tell you about it? Can I tell you about it? Go give it away, church. Go give it away. Merry Christmas.